Welcome back fellow music lovers to an all new season of your favorite podcast about music, Discologist. We are kicking things off the same way we do every season by discussing a Sunny Stint album, but since many of you are uncivilized and do not appreciate the sound of a smooth saxophone, we will also be discussing music we love from Brad Allen Williams, Milwaukee's The Beat Index, and more. Kevin and Eduardo are also discussing the potential impact of artificial intelligence on art, which, awkward, I am right here. Anywho. Now it is time to kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> Our adoring fans. People aren't supposed to laugh. <laughs> All right, we turned on we turned on the wrong song or sign. All right, you know what? You know what? Ed, nobody is here. <laughs> it's, oh, it's January. Man, it's just us. It's the beginning of the season. It's man. us. It's it's fine. January is kind of a bleak. Yeah, January is just bleak, yeah. right? It's dark. It's cold. It's damp. Yeah, and you aren't even in Wisconsin. Um, I'm not in Wisconsin. It's so gray here. Uh, although it finally snowed, it's great. Um, so it's a little little fun on the ground. Um. This is season thirteen. Uh, we got, got a, so this is like different now. Chunky glasses is dead. Yeah, a lot. A lot's changed. <laughs> a yeah. lot has yeah, changed. It's a, new, um, it's a whole new outfit. It is a whole new outfit. Uh, if you go to chunkyglasses.com now, which is what you used to do, it it won't be there. It's gone. Um, and I actually hit delete on it the other day. And but now you go to discologist.com, you see us. We're like we're at the bottom, right. but, but you see us. Uh, you see some episodes from the last season, some ones that we picked out. So we're gonna have like things that are our favorites. Maybe we'll reach back into the archives. I think I posted a Phil is playing here next weekend. So I think I posted a, a interview with him recently. Like up that to the featured thing. Yeah. Uh, another big change: we're selling merch. If you go to discologist.com/slash/merch. You can right now. You can get a T-shirt with the logo, a, one of the logos on it, a mug, or a tote bag for hauling all the records you're going to buy because you listen to us. And and That's I think right. I mean and um, even if it's no look, it's no vinyl January for me because I, I, I already yeah, I'm I'm I'm, impre- I'm impressed I'm impressed that you're doing it's, that. It's harder. It's I was already not drinking, and it's harder than that. Yeah. Like I and I and <laughs> it I, is, I it is. and I literally sold. A bunch of records to a local shop here, uh, Lilliput Records, which is great if you're in Milwaukee. Go there. It's the old uh, exclusive company. Uh, and I had to wait in the store while they're, like, assessing my, my records. I have to... <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and it's a big store. And I'm going down the aisle, and I'm like, uh, uh, ooh, I want this. Ooh, the, the Bob Weir Ace reissue. <laughs> oh, the Steely Dan reissue. Yeah. Like, um. I made it out. I made can't it buy out. a thrill. I made it out safe. You could not. You could not buy. You could not buy. Can't buy a thrill. I, yeah, yeah. I'm going to though. <laughs> I have. I have like. I have like. Like action set up. So as soon as it flips over to February first, like shit's gonna go crazy with online ordering. <laughs> I'll make up for it. I'll, I'll be <laughs> the floodgates open. Yeah. 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 I had a great day. I had a great day crate digging yesterday, and. Um, I, uh, was, you know, I hadn't really gone out for old, like used vinyl in a while. I think maybe since I'd been out there, I'd sort of mostly been in stores that 
prioritize uh, new stuff. And I had such a, gr- I mean, I found like two things I'd been chasing for a long time um, that I knew were out there. I just hadn't come across them yet. One was the Till Tuesday record, Welcome Home. Oh, no shit. Um, which right. is like, yeah, which is like a sad, elegant 80s pop yeah, masterpiece, yeah, sure. I think. For sure. um, and uh, the Jones Girls record that I was missing that has Nights Over Egypt on it. I've nice. been looking for that one. I'd, I'd, I'd found their other ones. I've given people other records of theirs because I keep finding one, the one I, you know, the ones I already had. And uh, it really felt triumphant. Yeah. It can when so, you know. I hope you, I hope you get to have that adventure soon. I, I, I will, and, and I think I think my uh, habits have changed. You know, we encourage everybody to buy however you can. It's completely valid to support an artist by buying a digital file. If you have a record player, uh, which you know, fifty percent of people who buy records apparently don't, but, <laughs> but which is okay, which is okay, <laughs> it is okay. You know why? Because they're still yeah. supporting art. So fuck yeah. people who say like, oh my god, this person's clogging up the plant. This, but no. If yeah. people are out I currently there, don't have. Yeah, yeah, you, no, I I currently don't have a cassette player, and I buy a few cassettes a year, um, and um, I like having them around, and I will have a cassette player at some point, and I can also <laughs> give them as gifts to people who do listen to tape still. So yeah. that that was the other thing is like I think a lot of people buy records for friends that they know who like records. Even yes. if they don't have a record yes. player, yes. right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this whole. It it, it it stems from this idea that um, there shouldn't be competition in the marketplace. We're not going to get into that this this episode. Yeah. This is a way yeah. deeper and honestly offline discussion. Um, but you know, it, it's that somehow people would be more deserving. Of, but look, it's a marketplace. You get your product out there, and people buy it or don't, and. What people, if people are buying something else over yours, that is not that other person's fault. <laughs> right? You can't, you can't, you can't do that. You have to look deep inside yourself and be like, why aren't people buying? Like last Christmas, for example, uh-huh. lowest selling single that I've put out. In my mind, the best single that we've put out kicks kicks the most ass right. out of anything. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But there's trade-offs uh, when you're when you're in the biz, as they say, and and so like so that was a little disappointing. I had to like internalize that. But then uh, there's always next year was picked up to be played on uh, Radio Milwaukee, their holiday playlist, yeah. like on air. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, it, it, I'm saying like it. It depends what you want. <laughs> Your life as an artist, really, you have to define what you want out of it. That was. And it's going to be disappointing sometimes, but sometimes it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, that vinyl thing was crazy. Almost as crazy as the Rick Rubin thing, which was just... <laughs> 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 we can go all the... What are all the controversies in music that, since we've been gone? There was the vinyl thing. There was the Rick Rubin thing. The vinyl thing wasn't new. The Rick Rubin thing, uh, which I saw the interview. is just very Rick Rubin. Um, you yeah. know, yeah. it's just... Uh, People's perceptions about the music industry are interesting. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, um, what it should be. There's, and I don't. Yeah, I don't have a strong position either way on the. Well, I think I'll I'll say in in terms of Rick Rubin, there's a lot of bad faith arguments being made on both sides of it, and I'll just say that I think whatever, even the most, I think it's hard to say that Rick Rubin's value 
is zero. Whether his value is what people think it is or not is a different conversation. But for people who say he 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 brings absolutely no value to the table, I I, Are people you know, I find that? that hard to yeah 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 yeah. Oh no. Few, no 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 saying, yeah 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 that he's uh-uh. that he's a fraud that he's a charlatan he doesn't do anything. Um, so I think that's clearly not the case. Like, 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 like whether, whether you see it or not, this man, this man contributed a lot to, to the aesthetics of modern music, yeah. um, from, you know, from blood sugar, sex magic on it's like his influence is undeniable. So, and the people yeah. who hire him definitely see the value. Yes, the, that's right. Like, the people paying like, him a lot of money. If you don't sit there and opine on their recordings. Yeah. If you don't see the value in, in somebody, don't hire them or a record, don't buy it. Which is like, I, and that's why I was talking about the record buying thing because, uh, like, I realized that I want to alter my habits a little. We we try to buy everything we talk about, but I, I, I did this, and this is no particular artist, but I but I but I did this uh, at the end of the year. I went back through what we featured, and it ended up not being stuff that I really listened to going forward. But I was out there always buying those records, yeah. and I'm glad I, I'm glad to have them. Like they weren't in the batch that I sold back. But like it, it, it did make me think about, oh, what am I like? Yeah, I like this song. We're talking about this album, but is this really going to stick with me a year from now? And I think that's going to inform what we talk about, too. I hope it does. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's I mean, I think, you know, part of the whole like under the, the cover of this kind of big chunky glasses to discologist transition. You know, this is not a lot of. A lot of these changes are maybe becoming kind of apparent now that mm. we're operating clearly under a different name and, and there's a different approach to the website. But these are changes that have been underway for a long time, I think, for oh, yeah. you, Kevin, and in terms of your relationship to the music industry and in terms yeah. of, you know, and every and, and, and I, I mean every part of it. I mean, the artists, the sort of PR machine, other fans making your own music. You know, this is this has been a long this has been a long transitional period of really trying to figure out what do we, you know. What is it about music that keeps us at the table and what are the things that are worth talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, and I think it's fair to say at the start of every season, like, this is actually just for us, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it's just, it really is. Um, but we're glad you're listening. Like, it's glad, you yeah, know, we are. We, we are. We, we've seen people, like, checking out the site. Um, a lot of people, like, sort of found the uh, the the new newer version of Discologist over the break. Uh, enjoyed it and uh, and you know behind the scenes even like Ooh, relationships. I, have, I got some compliments. I got some compliments on the site design from some from some people oh, you cool, don't know cool. who saw it and were like, "Oh my god, the site looks great." Yeah, cool. And you know, and our relationship yeah. with the publicists is different now because we're more we're yeah, a little more right. direct. Um, for example, spoiler: I am so happy about this. Uh, Nabil Ayers, "My Life in the Sunshine." Uh, he's going to be a guest coming up. Um, and yeah, that's if you, ha- if you have not read awesome. that book, man, I'm man. picking my copy up today and oh, I will, yeah. And I have a fun week ahead. I, I, yeah, I can't wait to, to hear what you think about it. It, it just, uh, the, it, it, books don't make me cry and that made me cry. So damn. Okay. yeah, yeah, it's a lot, but anyways, anyways, uh, the other big, yeah. the other big, uh, controversy was AI in music. And Nick Nick Cave had some thoughts about AI. Nick Cave had some thoughts about it. Whenever though, like big famous artists like pontificate about something, I think you have to take it with a grain of salt. When somebody like Nick Cave is saying that stuff, he has been immersed in a in a kind of insular world. 
of art for his entire life. Yeah. And that definitely like skews you. I, I, part of the magic for me of art, and this is just how I, I process it, is, is that it has nothing to do with the real world. When, when it's done really well, it just has nothing to do with the real world. And, and you appreciate that because it's always, it's an escape. Uh, but <laughs> the flip side of that is like, it has nothing to do with the real world. <laughs> and yeah. so when it comes to AI, what we have now is like chatbot GPT. Um, I, I haven't found one that can actually make a song, but I know they're, they exist in labs. I don't, I don't think there's one readily available. Um, there is, uh, which maybe we'll use on this, Adobe is rolling out an AI feature. They're building their own little podcast recording. We're recording in Riverside right now. Adobe is building like a competitor, basically. But they have the, in the background uh, an AI voice processor. And a, it is insane. Huh. Like, But it's subtle. It's not what we're talking about, like, I made AI write me a bunch of country songs. Which I did, people. And, yeah. and you're going to hear that record. Like, Jordan's going to sing on it, but... So, wow. Yeah. Um, so, so there's all these saw, li- use was, cases for it. Yeah, I was flipping through a high-end audio equipment catalog yesterday, uh-huh. and came across I forget who um, I forget who's who made this preamp. It might have been Cambridge, um, and it had a um, it was a preamp that had like the ability to recognize like pops, crackles and other distortions on a record and to oh, wow. basically limit the limit the impact of those and limit <clears throat> it sort of crowding out the bass or other parts other, you know, parts of the sound wave frequency. So so they're pushing um, to get a better sound and that seems like a good use of AI. It is and they're pushing plugins. We have a plugin that does that on our when we when we put together these episodes uh made by Isotope. Yeah. I'm I'm just fishing for sponsors actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, that that catalog was Audio Advisors, by the way. If you guys want to sponsor us yes, and yes. send us a couple of vacuum tube preamps, oh my God. Um, the That'd five thousand dollar one looks yeah. like a great yeah. deal. Yeah, yeah. do that. We'll, uh, we'll... I, I believe it sounds just as good as something twice as expensive. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, we need to test that. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let us know. I, actually, <laughs> little little sidetrack here. Uh, Isotope will never support us because they sent me a really shitty project uh, product a couple of years ago. It's this little like weird recorder thing that you can just do everything on it with your phone. But they were like, "Tell us what you think," and like I haven't really used it yet, so I finally used it. I think you saw it in my basement. I finally used it. Uh, was that the little? Yeah, and it was it yeah. was butt. It was just butt. <laughs> and I sent it back, and the response I got was like, "Well, are you going to do a piece on it?" And I'm like, "Do you want me to do a piece that says it's butt?" <laughs> like no, so no. Okay, so so maybe maybe the isotope won't be won't be sponsoring us. But back to the AI at hand. Uh, the the broad broadly speaking, the issue is that artists feel threatened by this technology, or not even artists. Uh, in fact, I don't think it's necessary artists yet. I think it's uh, pundits are just like imagining scenarios where this could like ruin art. And I think we're on two different sides of this because sort of, at least on on parts of this, because the way I see it, it can only as, as it exists now, it can only enhance what we do. 
Um, the same way a synthesizer does. It's more complex, obviously, than a synthesizer. But at the end of the day, it requires that you give it input to get anything out. So you're still you're, you're learning to play another instrument. Um, if we get to the point where an AI just on its own, like you show up to the lab and the AI is like, hey, Bob, I just wrote a Garth Brooks song. That's a problem. We got bigger problems. Like yeah. that's that's Skynet. Yeah. So that so that's where I am on it. Like I I, I mean I've I've heard a lot of examples of what it does. Uh, there's all all these like worst use cases. Uh, but in the reality of of making art, it it feels right now like just another tool. There was a little bit of a moral panic when someone won. There was like a, a visual art contest mm -hmm. that someone won with an AI generated piece and where an artist would right. normally explain the materials they used or the concept behind it. He said, I went to this AI and I typed in the following things and then I made the following adjustments. Um, and it was someone who I think didn't have like wasn't a painter, wasn't like a visual artist or someone who really knew how to right. do that. And right. so that led to all of this, like, oh, my God, what does this mean? You know, um, and and there's a lot of like <laughs> there's a lot of weird assumptions happening around the fact that, like, OK, so someone won a contest. That contest is judged by humans who have biases and who are, yeah. you know, like not it's not like an objective thing either. They're they, you know, as, as much as we want to pretend that all these gatekeepers uh, are like running on science, they're not. They're running on opinions and, and priors and a bunch yeah. of things like that, I think. You know, I agree with you about about the sort of uh, the fact that that AI is um, primarily another tool and can provide a good starting point. And I also understand why, you know, these sort of great curmudgeonly singular artists um, rest in power. David Crosby, um, you yeah. know, one of the most curmudgeonly crotchety people walking around. Um, would probably not have a kind opinion of AI and would probably be closer to the Nick Cave side of things. And I have to think that part of that is just if you saw, you know, if you told me that the the work that I do could someone could get within 80 percent of what I do by just using an AI, I would probably be annoyed, too. I probably wouldn't love. Well, well, um, well, you'd be annoyed. But also, I mean, it becomes a it becomes a philosophical question, I think, because you really be hurt. Because then you have to look at yeah. then you have to look at like well is what I'm doing actually worth it I I think right and this is just a, a theory um, that I'm developing about this I think what it comes down to is people's search for like God right yeah. and 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 how they determine their worth whether you're religious whether you're atheist whether whatever like you you determine your worth in certain ways but a lot of people like it, ultimately it is judged by something some higher thing. Uh, for a lot of people and you never think about what that thing is and what defines it but one of the big definers of that is the ability to create life or intelligence right and so now we're, we're getting talking about prometheus now yeah i am i love that movie um, <laughs> uh but 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 now we're getting to the point with these technologies that uh do like hurt somebody make make them maybe nick i mean nick cave is a remarkably talented artist like multidisciplinary uh artist and and so but even with that like maybe he's never questioned the worth of his art 
an artist thinks about their worth differently than anybody else and because everybody looks at it once you put it out there it's it's somebody else's right but you still like have those have those values that you're like oh i did this so so maybe this makes him question that maybe that's good but the closer we get to like basically being god you know i i think people get more and more uncomfortable but that's what it is and that's the implied like pursuit for a lot of people so it's kind of contradictory yeah, that's well said. I mean, I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna write a little piece for the website about this. Right. There's a blog post that I really like um, by this guy Dan Cohen, who um, is a very smart person. Um, I don't know him, but I know people who do. Mm-hmm. And 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 what what he argues is that um, you know the so the real life like Nick Cave could decide that he wants to write a Weird Al type parody of someone else's music, right? right? Like like. The human Nick Cave can do that. The AI that we're asking to be Nick Cave will never be able to surprise us that way. Um, because one of the limitations with an AI is that it, you know, it needs to resemble the thing you're telling it to resemble, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of like somewhere in the source code is the fact that it has to seem pleasing, recognizable, and familiar within the within the constraints of what you give it. And so as a as a result of that, it it, it you know, it may not be able to hold the the same layers of like meaning, surprise, nuance that right. that art does hold over decades. Um, and and maybe so, maybe not. But I think it's a really thoughtful position, which is to say that, you know, AI, AI can't surprise us right now. And that's good um, because it's not self-aware or self-directed. And and really the concern there is um around you know i think people freak out that they think they confuse ai with super intelligence right um and we don't have a super intelligence we don't have a thing that can like teach itself and that's the last thing we have to invent because it'll invent everything else we need after that right we're not we're not we're not there with ai and the concern with the super intelligence is like well if if somewhere in the source code it was supposed to help us make more paper clips like what is that going to do? It'll definitely enslave us to make more paperclips. Like yeah. humans will, yeah. humans will be in service yeah, yeah. to paperclip Skynet, right? Yeah, like but, you can't escape that somehow. And to your point, like it, it is going to take time to see that. Uh, I, I disagree with the not surprising thing. I sent you a link to Loab. Like that was a complete surprise. Yeah. And the and the surprise is that it is infinitely repeatable, and not using the same prompts. And they're using negative prompts. So basically, what it's saying is, is it, it's yeah, that it's, was interesting. Yeah. It's telling it's telling an AI, uh, essentially feeding it negativity. And if you're not familiar with this, what comes back is a similar image across multiple systems, um, which tracks. I mean, we know stuff is built out of parts. So like that's to go galaxy brain on it. Like this shouldn't be surprising, but but. You know that type of thing is surprising, and I think I think where where we are with all this stuff now is somewhere in that there's a little line between surprising and just like uh, amusing, entertaining. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and we're like from from my perspective, we are overestimating our potential when when we deny that like that is surprising. But that, that's just that's that's literally only to do with me, um, and yeah. yeah. So so it it should be interesting to see uh, the songs that I had Chat GPT write were better than lyrically I could have written as a teenager, one hundred percent. 
and they and they and they come very quickly and they can be really great it can be a great first draft for yeah. something that and that, you'll and that's my point add to or expand on later right yeah if you if you think yeah. about um one album we haven't talked about and we won't talk about probably is the uh, last midland album um which is great mm. it's so good like they're such okay. a good country band <laughs> they, they're a bunch of model dudes yeah. and then they got it their first album was big and then people are like ah oh, you guys are just model dudes but they're like really, really great songwriters, but they're also like almost robotic songwriters. The songs are too perfect, uh-huh. right? And and that's yeah. that's I think what you're gonna get. But we have to remember that's ninety nine percent of the marketplace. That's what people want. So is it a threat to your livelihood? Yeah, there's maybe. <laughs> if, well, if, if you're, I mean. I, yeah, um, you and you and I um, in uh, in one of our text threads um, were sort of making analogies to to food, and I think that if you're if you're if your uh, livelihood as a food maker right mm-hmm. is is making something like a Big Mac, then you're probably going to lose out in the marketplace because the Big Mac is going to beat you, and it doesn't, and the yeah. and the Big Mac doesn't really care, right? The consumer doesn't really care. Uh, about the human labor that goes into a Big Mac. They care right. about the finished Big Mac product, yep. right? So if that's if that's your stage, if that's your tier, you're going to have a hard time competing. Yeah. Um yeah. if you're if you're if you're in if you're in like, you know, I I have a hard time imagining an AI creating a band like King Gizzard or Black Midi. You know, those are things that are right. so out, right. So like, like, I feel like if you're doing something unique, original and unexpected, um, that's rooted in your own humanity, like by definition, an AI is going to have a very hard time getting to you. So, if you're the black eyed peas, I would, I would look out, <laughs> I would look out because an AI can definitely write tonight's going to be a good night. Yeah. Or I've got a feeling, whatever that song is called. But right? it's also, it's also the, AI would write that based on what it knows about tonight's going to be a good night. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's an easily repeatable formula. So, so the counter to that is that these artists are just pulling from, like, if you put in, for, like, say, Black Midi, if you put in, like, King Crimson, Radiohead, uh, Thrash Metal, you'd get something pretty close. Um, maybe. I'm not, maybe, I'm not maybe. convinced. But, I'm not but convinced. I, I think, that's, yeah. I think yeah. that's where the interesting work is going to be going forward in this, is that if it can do that. You know, the question is, and these, this, we're getting into, like, bad great sci-fi movie territory actually is like we can do it but should we <laughs> and yeah. and i yeah. think the answer for this is yeah yeah let's go yeah. like because it i'm also like from the perspective of an artist that nobody can replace me making it my experience making it i don't care if somebody made something that sounded exactly like my stuff, but their stuff sold. It, it was from an AI, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And I also don't make my living from it. So, th- so there is, yeah. there, there's a very important distinction. Um, but that doesn't immediately immunize you from the fact that like, I don't know if an AI is making better work, maybe you need, if, if you really think you're, that the AI isn't shouldn't be capable of that, then you need to make better work. is is an argument, not necessarily yeah. one that I would make, but uh, it's an argument that could be. Yeah, made. if you if you know anything about what ma- what like mass commercial success look like looks yeah. like, you should assume that an AI will be better at that than than a human. Yep. Um, it probably will be right. Um, 
And so, again, there's this question of like, you know, how, how, so how soon is that going to happen and who should be worried? Um, probably not a lot of people need to be worried now. Uh, but yeah. but it is going to be in the same way that, like, you know, we used to use, I mean, horses primarily existed for labor. Right. And we don't need horses to do work anymore, but horses are still around. Um, they just do other things. Yep. Um, and that's a terrible, gosh, that, like out of context, that's going to sound terrible. It sounds like, it sounds like I'm it's calling not, artists it's horses. It's not terrible, but, though. It, I yeah. mean, it, it is. It is. I, that's, 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 exactly what people, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what people are reacting yeah. to, right? Is, is that yeah. idea. Yeah. But like that's the reality. That's what I'm saying, divorcing like your artistic world from the real world. That's the world that like most people live in. Yeah. Right. And just because you yeah. you create this art, I sound horrible saying this, but I really don't mean it in a horrible way. I think I think this ultimately like helps artists or just pay attention to like what they're doing. And unless your song is curing cancer, you're you're kind of just like the rest of us. And that and that's fine because we, you know, we talked you talked a little bit about my relationship to all this changing a little bit. It's really for me now about supporting stuff that people seem like spiritually spiritually they need the support they just need people there to show up to see it yeah yeah, yeah. less so i mean I, I like commercial work fine but you know it is it is seeing somebody just even like a little break from a stage they look out and there's like 50 percent more people there than the last time they played that's the fucking magic there's no song they could make that yep. is better than that there's no song anybody can make that is better than that um, and well th that happens a lot and I hope yeah. I don't catch shit for saying stuff like that. But I mean, it, it, it is really just about like, like sort of re rejoining this humanity and not holding up people who do all this stuff that is just skilled, but normal. Right. 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 Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean like a lot of, in a lot of conversations that we're having about, and it's not just you know, in music, this is, a, this is across different sectors, right? We're having these conversations about automation mm -hmm. versus human labor, right? Like what, like what kind of work should entitle a person to be able to have a living? And, and, and you and I both feel like, you know, every, like everyone should, ev everyone should have a good life. Everyone should be, should Absolutely. have material Absolutely. comfort provided for. Like we, we, we give money to candidates, to, to politicians who want that. We support causes that are about that. Um, but, but, but I think you and I also firmly believe that, um, most, most, most kinds of labor are more similar than they are different. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and I think that's something that, that, you know, is difficult for some artists to understand because for a long time there was a sort of tiered status where artists were held in, in, in higher regard. Yep. And the idea of, uh, artists as laborers is something that, um, can can be something you know that's uncomfortable for a Nick Cave to hear. At the same time, though, I'll say I'll say this about Nick Cave because it sounds like we're we're trashing him a little bit, and yeah. I don't I don't mean that to be the case at all. No, no. He did you know he did he did specifically in, in in talking about the death of his gosh his two kids, right and, right, and writing music through it. He basically said, "Look, this is what I am. This is what I do. Like, what am I going to do? Not write music about it? Take the one thing that I know how to do well." Yeah. And prevent myself from using my life in that sphere. Um, and he and he was like, no, I can't I can't do that. Like the only way I know how to, to how to deal with this and work through it is is through the work I do. And that's by writing songs and singing about these really difficult, complicated things. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is where we I, I do my pitch where I want to encourage everybody this year to like 
find some instrument or some outlet. Um, and, and look, it's a hard space to get into, but actually like just make something with the expectation that the only expectation is that you made it. Yeah. And, and I think what you'll find out about yourself, I hope what you'll find out about yourself is that there is a even if you're like the most confident motherfucker on the planet, there's a lot more inside you than you generally think about. Um, and a lot of it's dumb. <laughs> That's, you know, a lot of it's dumb as fuck. Fair. But but y- y- you, by expressing it, even if it's just to like one other person or even if it's just to yourself, uh, I think it makes you a better person. I think it makes you a more empathetic person. And I think it, it, it has that actually, that's the magic that has the potential to make the world better. Um, and the more commercial you apply like levels of marketplace and commercialization on that, the harder it is to get back to that little, little thing. Um, that's important. So well said. And this ties, this ties into like the music we're going to be talking about, which I think we should probably, I was going to say, this is, we'll we'll revisit, you know, mechanical playing and AI a little bit later this episode, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who wants to go first? Um, I have no idea who went first last time, and it's a new season. So, um, looking, do you want to rock paper scissors for it? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, nobody um, can see that. Nobody yeah. can see that. Um, should we do a Twitter poll for it? No, we'd have to wait. Uh, <laughs> those always those always break your way, as we know. So, yes, they do. if we do an Instagram poll, it'll break my way. Um, <laughs> let me let me let me go. Let me go. Okay, yeah. go go yeah. go. Let me di- let me dive in here. All right. Um, I'm gonna say very little because I just I want this to speak for itself. We're gonna listen to a track um, off of uh, Brad Allen Williams's. I think this is his debut okay. uh, album under his own name. It comes out in February. It's on Colorfield Records, and based on what um, I've read about them and, and on what we're going to hear today, I'm really excited to see what other releases these guys are going to have. Um, the addition, There's a, a Mark uh, Guliana is featured on this. I never say his name the right way. Mm-hmm. He was in Donnie McCaslin's band, um, who For astute Black listeners Star? will remember that... Yeah, astute listeners will remember okay. that we played Donnie McCaslin on here before anyone knew yeah. that he, they would be the Black Star band, right? So... Um, so that's who's featured on percussion here. Brad Allen Williams himself is a guitarist. We're listening to the lead single off of his, his record, Economy, and the single is called Technologia.
in the space in the, the four minutes and twenty seven seconds that it took to listen to that song, uh, I I ordered eight copies of the record and asked if I could join the band. So, <laughs> yeah. That is fantastic. That that is um, really good. It it, it I, I like this like low. I hesitate to use low, the word lo-fi in this, but it, it is kind of like lo-fi jazz that is a little hip hop adjacent. Uh, and yeah. and then to layer in this like you know this classic sound of like strings like old movie strings I think you said Burt, Burt Bacharach on top of that stuff yeah. It, yeah. it is when we're communicating something to people like the easiest way to communicate something is to present them with something familiar yeah and there's a there's a really fun i think part of what you're picking up too with that kind of that sort of lo-fi-ish aesthetic is that there is like a a distinctly retro quality to Mm -hmm. some of this but it also sounds very kind of futuristic at the same time right it has that sort of like synth synth wavy but also like a 1960s technicolor production i um i don't know the composer it's not Bacharach, but uh a lot of stuff like this sounds futuristic because of, of a few specific composers doing stuff in film back in the seventies. Yeah. And it's not yeah. futuristic. It's just, it was paired with like <laughs> stuff like the Logan's yeah. run soundtrack or something, you know, it was paired with this stuff and you're like, Oh, that sounds futuristic. Uh, Oh God. Uh, the black hole soundtrack, uh, Howard Shore, I think, I think it's the composer. Yeah. 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 yeah, I, yeah. Listened, I put that on the other day and I was like, this sounds like the future. And the reason I thought that was because it deals with robots and black holes. That's it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't sound yeah. like the it, it, it sounds like a Hollywood like <laughs> orchestra score in a movie. But yeah. man, that is fantastic. What el- What else do you know about this guy? I know very little. He's okay. he's he's collaborated with a lot of folks um, that um, if you go to his website, you'll see sort of it's you know Brittany um, Brittany Howard. Um, oh, and um, there's a few other you know there's 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 other recordings that that he shows up on. Um, I um, I went into this pretty cold, and um, I really liked the the way the pitch sounded. And um, it was a few days ago that I pulled this up, and I just thought, oh my god, this is. This is extraordinary. Yeah, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. I, I figured. I figured you yeah. would, and that's yeah. kind of why I wanted to go first too. I was like, let's let's kick the season off on a high note. I am at some point today. I'll be in the basement, like cranking this. I'll just be like, yes, this is this <laughs> yeah. is the way to go. Um, wow, wow, that is a great way to start it off. Uh, I think we have a. We're, we're going to be batting a thousand here if I get my sports metaphors right. Um, I uh, this album that I'm going to talk about. This song I'm going to talk about. Uh, is by a band called the Beat Index, and the band is like one guy here in Milwaukee. His name is uh, Harrison Colby. He is a musician, graphic designer. He's played in a bunch of bands around here, bands that you would not expect for the make the type of music what you're about to hear. Um, the name of the album is Volume Two. Thank you for your patience, and it is a, in the truest sense of the word, a concept album, and it's about like. Songs you might hear on some imaginary like hold line, and the album is okay. structured as such, okay. right? Right. So, so you're like, it, it, it's the type of stuff that it's definitely seventies influenced. There's a little Steely Dan in there for sure, soft rock. Uh, that was one of his goals for making this. Um, 
it runs through all the tracks, which are generally going to be about love, like lost love in a 70s way, um, which is hard to describe. It's like generally like some clueless dude saying shit, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. like, like the Mike and the Mechanics song. It's sweet, though. You know, if you want to fool around, that, gotcha. that, that, that type of stuff. Yeah. So, um, but then he includes a, a final track on here that is just 30 minutes of if it were actually hold music. Wow. It's does, it, does it loop back around? <laughs> it can. Every... It can. Yeah. It, well. it, it's such, to me, besides the obvious, when you hear this, you're like, of course Kevin likes this. But it's, it's everything that's underneath it that is more fascinating to me uh, on, on, on this work. Because it's so well thought out. There, there's aesthetic, and then there's like actually doing something and saying something with your art. So could AI have created this? I don't think so. Um, but <laughs> this is like, I just came by this at the end of last year. Uh, I'll, I'll be listening to this like for a real long time. The track I'm going to play off it, it never rains in California. You're going you're gonna to pick up all these things it's referencing, but it's completely its own. I hope you haven't heard this, but uh, man, it's fantastic. So, It Never Rains yeah. in California uh, by the Beat Index off of Volume 2. Thank you for your patience.
the artist again the beat index yeah. uh his name's harrison colby the beat index. and and he does yeah. uh, he also does uh, a lot of album covers like there, there's the hughes brothers is a, is a country band was a country band um tragically one of the brothers wow. died uh but he um he did the album for that so yeah he, he's a he's a, a known quantity here in milwaukee um that i did not know about wow um you know, that, that feels like what, if I went to like a party at Carly Simon's in like 1978 yeah. and met like a really weird guy in like, kind of like a Baja sweatshirt and we talked for an hour and at the end of it, he's like, oh, by the way, you should check out my new joint on your drive home, you know? And, uh, and you pop the cassette in and this is what, this is what would come out. That's just, yeah. That's like, and it's one of those things where like every, every, every new element of the song as it kind of builds and gains speed into the chorus, it's just, it's just like dopamine hit after dopamine hit. I, um, I, I am so yeah. intimidated by this because it's, it's yeah. so in my aesthetic, right? It, and uh-huh. it's just, I, I just don't, and for a minute I was like, wait, did he have a full band for this? Like, no, no, he just did this like himself. Wow. It's, wow. I, I don't even begin to understand how you lock in to be able to do that. Cause like you said, it's, it's very specific. Like each thing is feeding into the other thing is dopamine hit after dopamine hit. The entire album is like that. So that's like track nine. By the time you've gotten there, you're just like living in this weird world that this guy created and you kind of want to stay there like it forever on hold. Yeah. Like as long as the music is this good, then like fine i guess i'm in my hell he made it during the pandemic it was truly a pandemic album he was listening to all this uh like obviously like 70s soft rock and stuff and it made him feel better and so he did this is is kind of what i'm talking about made him feel better so this is how it came out he said this this is going to feel better uh it makes him feel better it makes clearly makes other feel people feel better how this isn't knowing what came out last year and knowing what's out now um, that is big reported on, like, I think literally the only thing missing for this work to be massive is a, a PR push. It, it has, I mean, there's, I can think of a dozen people that uh, I know that I'll turn this, you know, I'll turn them onto this song and they will immediately want to know more. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. Uh, I I see. Um, I'm not doing no vinyl January. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but I see. I see. This is only out on cassette and physical it, it, media. It's and only out on cassette. As we established earlier, I don't have a tape deck right now. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna buy the cassette because yeah. I will have a tape deck at some point soon. Hell yeah! I, I'm gonna try to get in touch with him. I, I'm not sure. I think he might live in Bayview. Um, I, I, I'm gonna try to get in touch with him because I really want to talk about. 
like how one creates something this potent. I, I mean, it takes like yeah. you have to know at least in some way from the start, like what your end goal is going to be. Um, There's a lot of different, you know, this is one of those things where like when you're putting together a large structure, every piece doesn't look like it's pointing you toward yeah. what the end is to right? I mean, it, it takes a lot of faith and a lot of time spent working, hoping that it's all going to end up in the right way. Mm -hmm. um, when you buy it, you get yeah. a, he actually put it because he's a, he's a graphic designer. He put together a zine. Um, with all, uh, I, I see it comes with a magazine. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like, like this yeah. is this is w what people I I think should be doing, like to get their stuff out in the world. Like it, maybe it's yeah. not enough. I I don't know if making content all the time is the right way to put it. But like, you buy this and it's there's real value here. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, and I can't it's, wait. To, there's a volume one. It's not this. Um, so he's exploring different types of like modes. Uh, and I can't wait to see like what is next in this series, like what he's going to do, because I feel like the, the, the hook here is the attention paid to the detail of what he was doing and just lands it. And, and if you listen to the, uh, it's yeah. a telesthesia mix, I think he calls it, uh, at the end, which is okay. actually hold music. It's this wildly different way to experience music just by basically yeah. laying a, a, a lo-fi glow filter over it. But it's still like you're having to decide, like, am I taking part in this? And it, and it invites you to do that. Huh. Man. Thank you. Yeah, we are batting a thousand today. Yeah. Yeah. Those are these are both. And like what? Just two great complimentary tracks, too. Um, yeah. Yeah, so more yeah. of this. Wow. Uh, you'll probably hear more stuff like this this year. Um, yeah. I, know, I know in our about <laughs> or our, our what we do here, you know, we, we put some stuff. Yeah. I tried not to be too harsh in it, but like, yeah, if, if it's four dudes in a in a in a band, an indie band that really loves the national, we're just not gonna talk about you. Yeah, and that's that's okay. Well, and as as a reminder too, as a reminder too for folks like 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 for these tracks, we don't we don't know what what like I don't know what you're gonna play, you don't know what I'm gonna play, and so Correct. and so what you're getting is us reacting the first time, right? So if you're a new listener and 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 you were not aware of that, like we're not just. These aren't tracks that we've heard a hundred times and we're like coming up with excitement on the spot. This is, yeah. this is unfiltered reactions. Yeah. I'm so excited that you like this. I, I was, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but yeah. So, well, you know, um, you know, you know, you know, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm the sucker here for like a great pop chorus. And then if you, if you double it, but change the lyrics, oof, yeah. forget about it, man. Yeah, I'm all in. Stuff. I'm all in. Rock set level, <laughs> rock set level pop is what we're saying. Uh, we right. are going to take a quick right. break and then come back and start off every season like we do here, talking about one sunny stint.
a little bit of a song you should know. Uh, no, no, we're getting lots of movies. Uh, 1973's uh, The Way We Were, uh, sung by Barbara Streisand. Uh, this is 1975 now. Never Can Say Goodbye by Sonny Stitt. Uh, I think it's hard to find information on this album because it's not on streaming. It's not readily available. Uh, we're going to talk about some reasons for that, maybe, uh, which has to do with Stitt's career in general. Um, we, I think we always talk about Stitt because he's such a prolific performer and had such an, mm-hmm. like, outside of any type of analysis of the quality of his work, if you just look at the discography, it is so massive. And, you know, he had a, he had a great run of stuff. Uh, I did do a little more research into, like, him as a person, which we haven't really done. We haven't talked about. So up front, I want to say he was born Edward Hammond Boatner Jr., uh, and, but he was, this is interesting to me. He was given up for adoption in 1924 to the Stitt family. Oh, wow. Right. Right. Yeah. So when you start, and a couple things are going to add up here. Um, he met Charlie Parker in 1943. And up to this point, people have been saying, man, you sound like Charlie Parker. And Parker was like, yeah, his quote is actually, well, I'll be damned. You sound just like me. And Stitt said, well, I can't help the way I sound. It's the only way I know how to play. And that's the reality is that, like, people do sound alike. Uh, what people get known for, how they're considered, is kind of in in large measure out of their control. Uh, apparently, he only has one recognized classic, which is an album called Tune Up in 1972. Uh, mm. Which is sad because Mr. Bojangles is clearly better than anything he ever did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and he had, like all jazz musicians back then, uh, he had bouts with ac- alcoholism, uh, heroin. Um, he went sober-ish, I think, maybe completely sober, in the mid-70s after the alcoholism caused him to have like seizures. Uh, and he died... In 1982, in, in Washington D.C., right? he's married. Yeah. He's buried in Brentwood, Maryland. Oh, I did so not know you that. could go see his grave. It's at Fort Lincoln uh, yeah. Cemetery, buried in a wall crypt. Yeah, in fact, I will go see him. Yeah. Uh, um, wow. Yeah. So this is just a, and and look, this is just like Wikipedia stuff. I know, like this is not not deep yeah. journalism. Yeah. Like, but but these facts were interesting to me, especially the adoption fact where. Uh, you consider what he has done in his career is less about original work and more about recontextualizing other people's work for a popular audience. And this, this desire to, to have like acceptance and be popular, uh, I would, I would wager is directly driven by that, by that moment in his life, because, you know, especially like he's given up. Yeah, never yeah, mind just being adopted, adopted yeah. but like if you're adopted, like I'm yeah. adopted, if you're adopted, like there is there is always like a very small little gene in you that says, oh, well, you were like abandoned, rejected, whatever. Not, it's it's not true. Yeah. Well, it can be true, but but um, knowing that that is in his DNA uh, kind of recontextualizes this work for me because I'm like, 
of course he has he's going to keep on working because it's never going to be enough yeah well and and you know there's this is the third stit album that we've reviewed is that right We, we did satan we did mr bojangles and yeah um and you know for for folks who were maybe not um, I don't know. Maybe you have the privilege of not having like hardcore toxic jazz heads in your life. Uh, yeah. But if you were to mention Sonny Stitt to such a person, they, and if you said, oh, I know a couple of people who are who are super into jazz and they love Sonny Stitt, um, you would definitely get a sneer and a judgmental reply because jazz heads don't think highly of Stitt's work. Um, they'll sort of say, well, he recorded, you know, his sort of early kind of hard bop stuff is pretty good, you know, 50s, 60s kind of stuff, um, where he's playing with, you know, a traditional, you know, sax quartet, um, right, bass, uh, bass drums, keys, um, uh, piano, and and a sax, and um, and they're doing standards. And when you get into the 70s, he really, um, you know, is he's he's working in this gear, and I think you and I probably like this gear better than his traditional uh, bebop sounding stuff because it's such a fascinating intersection of several different things, right? It's got this kind of like, um, you know, a little bit of a schmaltzy production mm-hmm. side. Um, it's very, it's just like drenched in like you know butter, and uh, you know, it's al- almost a little saccharine, maybe. Um, yeah. But but what those songs um, really highlight is just Stitt's incredible phrasing and yeah. instinct for how to sort of develop, uh, you know, a, 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 a you know a lyrical line um, in the work he's doing, and it's it's just I just find it so every time I hear. Um, you know the, the the sort of head of, of of him doing a pop song where he's just like following uh, the melody of the original song. I just find I, it just reminds me of like how incredible the original source material is, and then how yeah. lovely it is to have to hear someone paying respect to it in a way that like nails all the nuances and and really you know puts you inside the song. Yeah, and and covers are good for that. But you know, on this one, you know, the 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 way we were. Uh, it's got like the theme from Godfather two for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like, and, and these are like all yeah. over his album and it's just somebody coming in the studio and saying, Hey, you should put this on the album. And so like, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I am, it's interesting. I don't divide his eras anymore. I am intensely interested for whatever reason in just the career of this guy and how, unique it is because there aren't that many people who were doing this and you can i'm sure part of the reason is is the reason you have like hardcore jazz heads who are who sort of turn up their nose at it but it's just a fascinating way to like look at your career and look at his career like yeah he did bebop and stuff and and then he jumps forward and does like this type of stuff but it's all from the same person. And and so when you get to that point, I think you have to... It becomes really interesting, like, who was this person? Because that's, yeah. that's, complex, that's complex personal negotiation. Yeah, and, and we, know, we know his playing from his records, but we Correct. don't know how much autonomy and direction he had in deciding... That's, that's part of it. That's a huge right? part of it. 
we don't we don't know if he just showed up and there was a producer who was like, hey, I have all these arrangements ready to go. In this case, um, Bernard Purdy is intimately involved with the arrangements, and that's and and that's I think partly why uh, there's a couple of really cool surprising moments on this record. Um, but the personnel on here, I mean, it's I mean, Pee Wee Ellis is also on here. You've got people who are who are like important names, you know, people that we would see later playing with like Maceo Parker or P Funk or something like right. that, right? So. So, so the funk on this record comes comes honestly. It comes from like the real source. Yeah, um, yeah. Even though you throw in something like that, uh, it kicks off pretty funky. And this is like this is does. like this is like one of the only like original tracks. I think it's original. Um, but let's hear a little bit of Slick Eddie because this is recalling him back where he would have been like more like the bebop, more like like uppity about about what he's doing as opposed to like just smoothing it out uh it's 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 fucking sick uh here's a little bit of slick it track that we heard it it delivers these little dopamine hits and like you think you think you know what's gonna happen you think you know it's gonna happen and then that exact thing happens and it's fantastic it you know hearing that i had the thought that if stit and bill withers had ever been in the same studio then there would, I mean, the universe would have collapsed into just this sort of sweetness, righteous, incredibly warm, uh, we live in a better world. Music. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, God, uh, the, you know, the, what, what I think, um, you know, uh, you and I have responded so well to kind of these, like to, to Mr. Bojangles and some of these records, um, and, and in general to his, to his playing, um, what I, what I, what I find, I guess what surprises me about these is how I keep finding these recordings surprising. Like every time I listen to it, <laughs> there is this like, there, like, like it's, it's almost like you're discovering it anew because you go into it and, 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 and 
my expectations are usually not high, even when I put in a Stitt album that I know I like. And then two minutes in, I just have to surrender to it. It's just, it's just yeah. unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's something dialed in um, that I think he did uh, that, like you said, is unstoppable. If, do you yeah. know if many hip hop artists sample Stitt? I don't believe they do. Um, that's a good question. Um, right. There's a lot of the stuff from this period that would really lend itself quite well to uh, mm -hmm. to some really great stuff. We should um, we should we should convince hip hop artists to do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's start, because let's make that hard. <laughs> well, because it's like I said, it's just this like massive catalog, and you you the point of using a sample a lot of times is familiarity. Uh, I just saw the yeah. uh, Beastie Boys documentary. Um, and I'm, yeah. And one thing they said uh, in there, they were talking about how they made a song, and they said, "Well, uh, one of us likes one sample, and another one likes another sample, and another likes another sample." And we're like, "Hey guys, what if, what if we just put these all in one song?" And and they called it Paul's Boutique. Yeah, and it's not. It's not. <laughs> or they, they called it. Yeah. That is not the pinnacle of creativity. <laughs> But that's how that process works, um, and they and they knew these samples because they were hits. That that's what it was, yeah. you know. In in some sphere, yeah. maybe not popular hits, but they were definitely hits. A lot of jazz samples, a lot of older hip hop samples, a lot of soul samples that they were using. Um, this is this is all just like ripe for that. Even just like the the some of the simple runs he does in that uh, that are just they seem to me to just be waiting for people to to pick up on it or and hear me out an AI to pick up on it <laughs> you know at, at well, one at one point or at what point wh where's the line between him delivering what we want over like not just like a few records dozens of records like yeah. this mode his mode is pretty consistent and then what an AI could do well, the criticism of that, you know, old guard, toxic jazz head type of Stitt is is roughly the same criticism that folks would have of AI generated art today, which is that it's calculated, it's precise, it's too perfect, it's missing a certain element of human soulfulness or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I and, and, and so, you know, I can think of other uh, to pick um, to go outside of jazz, um, but to think about two musicians who have a level of technical proficiency that is so astonishing to me that I can't believe we get to live at the same time as them, right? Like Bela Fleck, yep. David Grisman, or even a Chris Thiele, right? Um, Victor Wooten. These are, these and, are people... Yeah. What, what's that? Victor Wooten in, in Bela Fleck's band. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, these are all musicians who are, you know, they're, they're incredibly talented. Um, they are also walking databases of of riffs and of ways yeah. to write like they have um and, and I, i'm not i'm not trying to put anyone down but they have you know stock phrases or uh you know key jumps that they'll use if they're you know if, if it's a one four five song i'm gonna do this right and they know mathematically what fits there's an analytical side to it there's a creative side to it um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that in theory at some point an AI could, could do, it remains to be seen. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's really impressive, um, 
when when a human can can do that when a human has the the sort of com- the, the the computing power the processing power to be able to do that in real time um it's really it's really cool so you know in some ways is it the original ai is is like is is that form of musicianship musicianship the original kind of like synthetic uh yeah, yeah. music uh, i i don't really care i don't really care if you tell me that there's no feeling or, or no soul there i would say listen to it because i hear plenty of feeling and soul in it yeah, and 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 it differs from an AI in that it was definitely a choice. Yeah. I think. I think. Right. This, right. this could be like an on the spectrum type of thing. Yeah. Like we're really by the end of the yeah. season, I hope that we've like fully investigated like the life of Sonny Stitt. Probably got a Netflix deal for a documentary, like because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's not something of, of where he's on the spectrum and this is just how he how he functioned and was able to do that, then it, it becomes like a choice. Um, obviously, like if he's hooked on heroin or drunk, he needs money. Um, so you're gonna be doing stuff. Maybe you're doing stuff that isn't necessarily creatively satisfying to you because you just need the money. But it's more popular. The fact that he the bulk of his career, though, is this stuff. Says that's not the case. Yeah. Like I hear this, and I hear the and and the playing on a lot of this, especially a track that we're going to get to in a second, is so uh, joyful. Like it's not phoned in, even if it's even yeah. if it's a popular melody. It's it's it it it, it is lived in. It's just like, well, my peers aren't going to do this, but this is what you want. It, it, you know, it also, um, and this, and this really, I think brings the whole conversation full circle. You know, this is, um, these particular records, uh, are being made at a time when, when jazz is, you know, has, has faded as one of the dominant mm-hmm. forms of popular music and has yep. been supplanted by rock, right? That's why Miles Davis goes electric. That's why, you know, you've already in the mid seventies, all the big rock things have already happened. And jazz is, is already like a little passe. And so, there's something really sweet in the reaching here and the attempt to kind of find a way to, to marry jazz and popular song idioms. And it, it reminds me too, you know, the way, um, you and I talked a little bit offline about, uh, you know, the, how they sort of come in and, and, and we'll sing the chorus of, of some of these songs. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that really reminded me of, there's this great recording by the Ramsey Lewis trio. It's like, it's like a double CD from the early sixties and, uh, they're, half of it is from the Bohemian Caverns here in DC and they're playing a cover of Hard Day's Night uh, by the Beatles and when they come in you know for the second time around to do the verse you can hear the microphone picks up the crowd singing um, and singing along to it and they get to the chorus and you can still hear it and it's not you know it's the kind of singing that's more like uh, I'd like to imagine that everyone was sort of like singing the song to themselves and they were just couldn't help right. but but just kind of let that out. It wasn't a joyous burst of like, hey, everyone, like warm your pipes up and let's all sing this as a room. It's just everyone yeah. recognizing the melody and kind of singing along in this sort of like hushed internal monologue right, almost. Right, right, right. And uh, it's such a uniquely human moment. And I, and that's that's what those singing choruses reminded me of a little bit here. It's just a little bit of a like thing for the audience to hang on. Um, and it's and it's kind of irresistible too. like the minute you hear like if if you if, if you told someone that 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 was the plan, that they're going to sing a little bit of the chorus, but it's otherwise a jazz song, mm-hmm. you might not like that idea. But then when you hear it again, it's it's pretty undeniable. It doesn't sound like a good idea. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 if I sit down for a session and be like, okay, here's what's going to happen. We're going to play the whole song, <laughs> like, no. but then at the end, we're going to say, we're, somebody's going to sing the chorus of the way we were. Yeah. Just in case people don't know. Because people would be stupid <laughs> out there. You know, I was like, no, no. It's just like, no, let's just let's do the whole thing. Um, there's a medley on here, and it's uh, Bacchinas uh, Brasileiras. Is that how you say it? Uh, number five, Funky. Bacchinas Brasileiras, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, which is a classical piece composed by Eitor uh, Villalobos, who's like the famous Brazilian composer. I had the privilege of seeing the NSO perform that last year at like a rehearsal, which was oh, really wow. cool. It's a yeah, it's a piece that 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 um, most people who know, if you know anything about Vila Lobos, you would know this melody and this piece. And the first half of the song plays plays pretty true to what uh, to what you would expect a classical piece to sound like. The, yeah. the the funky interlude that follows is is quite different, and dare I say, fucking fantastic. Imagine that as like the moment in the black exploitation film where the guy conducting the orchestra suddenly like takes off his hat and you realize he has like an enormous afro and he takes off his tux and there's like a sort of you know like and you're like oh my god it's been sly stone all along and the band right. just kicks into this like you know amazing funk thing yeah it's i think the fact that Stit is nowhere in the first like two minutes of that song. It's like, it's just a very, very somber, somber thing. But what's wild when he comes in is that that arrangement is still, because it's, it's very sparse, right? And he does this a couple mm-hmm. times on, on the title track on this record is, is like this. It's very sparse and he comes in and the, if you pay attention to the, the rest of the band, it's still kind of sparse. 
But his saxophone takes up like all the air in the room. It's just everywhere. It's sitting above it. Yeah. It's like it surrounds it. And and that's you have to be as a producer, you have to be confident, but as a player, you have to be like confident to let people do that. Right? Because yeah. there's always gonna be this point like, well, I'm playing with people. I wanna yeah, the, there's stuff you miss, is what I'm saying, and yeah. this this is just like nah, man. This is like larger than life. Sonny Stitt stepping in the room. He's like, oh, Sly is Sly is the conductor now. Let's go. <laughs> I, I love I love that description of that. That is because <laughs> that's exactly what that is. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to me also that like his name is on all these albums. When you think about like stuff that people criticize, artists that people criticize, how they criticize them, and you do it out of context, you know, you would say, well, nobody likes Sonny Stitt. Real jazz heads don't like Sonny Stitt. But then you look and see that like it's it's not that he was on sessions with people. These are all albums in his name. So at this point in history, there was an honest-to-God Sonny Stitt industry. People don't make records unless they, the previous one sells. Like, yeah. And especially not in jazz. <laughs> like, There's no fucking way. So you have to imagine a world that if somebody says Sonny Stitt in 1975, they're like, yeah, get it out. How soon can we do it? Get him in the studio. Get it out. There's going to be a push for this, uh, which makes it even more amazing that this particular album is not on streaming, along with most of his albums. Um, he yep. has some really good ones on streaming, but this one is not one of them. Uh, I think you you postulated that maybe it's because of the rights a little bit, because, uh, you know, theme from Godfather 2, uh, the way we were, that could get a little sketchy with the streaming yeah. rights. Yeah. And it might not be worth it in 2023. But back then, like, right, like I want to know did did they release like forty fives of like every song off of this? Oh my god! Right? Yeah. I mean, I you know you know the other the other really exciting thing about Stit is that is that this stuff is is findable. You know, you may not find it at the yep. first store you go to, but if you spend a couple of years looking for Stit stuff, you're going to end up coming across this. They certainly made enough of these. Um, and there's enough of them out, you know, in, in used bins, um, for sale. And it's this, you know, I think, I think there is a, there is a part of our relationship with Stit too. That's, that's about how we experience music. It's not just about the recorded music. It's about mm -hmm. the ability to go out and find this, um, and to kind of luxuriate in it. Um, and it's, and you know, it's ultimately like really accessible music. It was made to be accessible. It's still yeah. accessible to folks who want to go out and find it. When, and that's an important part. And one of the reasons we picked this that isn't available on streaming is to talk about like how we experience music. Um, yeah. And, and, and what is a, a good way. And I think we can only speak to that, like how we experience music. That's one of them, the joy of like finding stuff, um, which is uh, uh, outside of the actual music. It technically has nothing to do with it. Like the, yeah. the stuff. So that, that's yeah. a, that's an internal process uh, that we enjoy. Uh, but like, you know, I don't have any problem with the algorithm. People listening should yeah. know that. 
Uh, yeah. I understand what it does. I don't have a problem with it. Uh, part of that is based in the fact that that's how a lot of people consume. And I'm not a person who buys the argument that if you just put something in front of them, they'll like it. And the reason they don't like it is because you're not putting it in front of them. That's not true. That's never been right. true. If all you like is Adele and you put no noise rock in front of them, they're not going to like noise rock. So, right. uh, as sad as it is, I, I want to be clear. I wish that that world existed. I really, really do. Which is not to say people can't grow, but but it's the subset of people that like how the, it, the we're talking about majority versus minority of consumers and like art appreciation and stuff, and it's always been that way. Some people just don't give a fuck about art, and that's fine. Um, and you can make music just for that that is actually just as good as the the crap. You know, if it makes somebody's day better, if that's your goal, that's amazing. That that is amazing, and you got on Spotify's playlist like every fucking week or something. Great, <laughs> great. You yeah. deserve. You're doing. You're putting. Making somebody happy is is a side benefit of your job as a musician. Um. So. That said, I do think if you, if all you do is pay attention to that algorithm, it's not bad. You're just kind of cheating yourself. Um, I saw uh, a, a photographer artist here was posting about something that he said that he was his only friend, and he's younger, I think he just turned 30, his only friend, person he knew, that was not on streaming and liked to curate their own stuff and blah 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 the whole I mean we know we know that that person the argument and I responded to him I said well yeah but you can also it's it's okay to use streaming as an alternative it's 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 just you need to find a balance between supporting music how you want to support it and then exposing yourself to music and it's just objectively a fact the best way to find new music now is through a streaming service you can find yep. it you can you can find anything um it was that started with napster uh which literally is why we have the music industry we have today uh, because people who people who never heard fucking miles davis and like yeah. and then miles davis was all over napster like who's this guy and then they're like oh my god what is this uh, you know so it is true that if you expose people to stuff, like there are people who will pick it up. Um, but it's people who pick up the Napster stuff where it was largely still the majority stuff. It was like all this like especially indie rock. Like there was a yeah. lot of like nineties bands that you might not have heard. They were smaller, but you're like, Oh, this is like something I like that I heard and you dive into that. Like any scene like that, you know, it ends up like sort of eating itself. <laughs> and people get very like pedantic about it and and they're just like yeah, yeah. but yeah but yeah this is this is not being available we like stit we know what we can listen to but we're like th we know there's more yeah and and it's and and like that process of of um the the you know cuz I should also add like you can go on Discogs and find out if something is like widely available yep. and in circulation or not. 
right? If it's under, if it's under $15, like you should be able to find it if you go to enough record stores. Um, and, um, but I, I don't usually, you know, the records that I was talking about finding earlier today, Jones girls and until Tuesday, I could easily have ordered those off of Discogs at any point, but I wanted to find them out in the wild. Like that was part of my experience of like, you know, and I wanted to have those memories with them. And, and Stitt is a great like like uh, his his discography has a lot of utility from that standpoint because i have no idea when i'm going to come across this this physical uh record in the wild but i know i will um and it's going to be a memorable day and i'll be telling people that day like i've been looking for this record for years and i finally found it where in san antonio or in providence or i I don't know where the fuck i bet you you find it a bullseye here in milwaukee i i would i'd be willing to possibly that's that's where I get. Possibly, I think no. Did I? Okay. Oh. No, I think I got this Acme. I don't know. See, I don't even know where I got this. It was no. just literally like, oh, there's. I have I have money for like four albums. Three of them are going to be stit. <laughs> like, and then some some the random like ambient thing. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, walking out with all your stit, dude. Um, yeah. So I mean, and. and so think about if you're listening, applying that to like other stuff, and applying that to other bands that you like, um, and then don't go into stuff with a judgment. You know, we were uh, offline. We had a little discussion about REM, um, and the, it, a lot of it developed into like some of your your friends, my friends, even are just like, oh, there's no REM past what album? You know, blah blah blah. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of that discourse because uh, that's that's where the truly subjective part about appreciating art comes in, um, and and you're not you're not applying any objectivity to that. You're just like, no, oh, I just don't. I, I don't like anything past green. Yeah, I, one, Which of the, is one, fair. Of, one of the best lines I heard was something like, I, I didn't hear anything past shiny, happy people because a band that records that should not be allowed to continue existing. Right, and, and what that tells me. Um, look, and look, as as an RM, for example, as an REM fan, that was definitely a shocker. <laughs> it was not unexpected um, because, uh, well, at that time, like Michael Stipe, was, I believe he just came out, or 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 you, everybody knew he was he was gay. But uh, but if you had ever seen them live, you know, I mean, just performative, like fun, gay, like stuff, and. So it was just kind of like this is the band, but if you're if you're like recently checked in or that you you knew the one I love, if you go from the one I love to shining happy people, you're not you're not going to be a satisfied customer. Yeah, <laughs> you know that yeah. that's going to be a shock. So so my point is instead of just like out of hand being like well this is this is not good, uh, this is this is good uh, because the stuff that we think is good is also generally what there's consensus on. I have a lot of discussions with people about like, well, X, Y, and Z like something, and that shouldn't. It doesn't matter to me, and it shouldn't matter to you. Like, if here's a weird hypothetical, you put on this album, and somebody comes into your house, and they get really aggressively like, ah, "That's Sonny Stitt. Ah, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? God, don't you know this guy sucks?" That person is probably leaving your house pretty soon. Probably being asked to leave. Because they're not, it's not that they don't like Sonny Stitt. It's that they are not like clearly open to anything outside of their own worldview. 
Yeah. Not to get like galaxy brain on this shit, but you know, it's, it's important. <laughs> it's important. We, you can't, we've said this before. You can't be defined by what you consume, but what you consume is actually important. Um, not as important to me as like how you consume it um, and how you accept stuff. But yeah, it's just, you know, so start digging into stuff. That's what we're going to do. I, I had a list of all these songs that I wanted to do and attached to them were kind of reasons. And a lot of the reasons were had to do with like, I want to support this type of art or I want to support this. And, and we'll, look, we'll get to some, but I chose the beat index and we chose like stit because it just makes me happy. Yeah. You know, that's enough. That's enough. It should be enough. It should, it yeah. should absolutely be enough. So, um, so you can't stream it. <laughs> you can't, maybe you'll find a copy. Um, but yeah, that is that is Sunny Stitt starting off another season. We're gonna take another quick break and come back and uh, have some final thoughts and uh, see you after break. All right, good show. I think. I think we we did the did the thing. I have a question for you. Are there uh -huh. any artists that you think might be an AI? Oh, um, <laughs> I think uh, my short answer is yes. Okay. Do we want to name them? Um, or do we have well. Uh, I think there are, um, I think especially on the production side in pop, um, it's not clear to me that there's always a human person making decisions about uh, song structures, presentation, you know, the, uh, um, and I, I'm not, this isn't just like me making fun of like a Max Martin or someone like that. Um, mm -hmm. It's 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 really around the idea that like um, whether you you know, things like in country, things get focus group tested the shit out of, right? Um, yeah. I, you know, I think there's, I think there's, I think we're already living in a world where a lot of decisions around what gets presented is, you know, those decisions are not made by a singular artistic person with a vision. They're made, they're made by a yeah, series you're dancing of around the question. consensus majority <laughs> uh, position. Um, I'll, I'll, pose, I, I'll I think, pose it a different uh, way. I'll, I'll put it a different yeah. way. Is Bonnie Vare an AI? <laughs> I think he. Uh, I think there was a Bonnie Vare AI out there. I think that's who's been there? recording <laughs> maybe since <laughs> since, yes. since Forever Forever ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not clear to me. I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, there's. <laughs> I'm these, sorry, but you're so many. Dude. No, 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 no. There are so many, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm sort of struggling between like, between whether to take a broad swipe at something or try to take the higher ground, but I'll take, I'll take a little bit of a swipe, which is that you and I, you and I tend to stay away from a lot of the stuff that, that would have been the sort of dominant news in a pitchfork type world, right? The sort of like yes. prevailing 
indie stuff. Um, We tend to find that stuff predictable and interesting. Um, And, you know, what I don't like about it is that I end up having a transactional relationship with it. Uh, Yeah. Which is to say, like, you know, you know, does this like I don't really care about the people behind it. I just care about the product with Stitt. You know, you and I treat him a little bit like a sort of catalog artist where we really want to, you know, there, you know, like, like you really want to sort of accompany his work and let it age with you. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the, the stit records that we're reviewing now, I would not have liked in my twenties. I was, I wasn't ready to hear that in my twenties. Um, yeah. And so, and that's this here. Yeah. I mean, you know, 80s Dylan is a good example. Like when I was young, I did not care for, you know, mm-hmm. 80s Dylan. And now I love it with, you know, with a deep and abiding passion. So, uh, and also it's possible that Dylan is now an AI now that I think about it. Uh, that that's, last, that's, that's extremely plausible. That's extremely for the last 10 plausible. Years or so. It's like you're yeah. putting on a triple album of like Frank Sinatra covers. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, he did that, right? <laughs> yeah. That's. Yeah, that type. Yeah, that type of thing is like okay, but but you know, for our conversation about around Stit, I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Do you have Do you have picks for current AIs? I mean, I already said humans? one. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, it was just it was just kind of a joke. But uh, it definitely, like you said, it, it, there's there's uh, AIs that are adjacent to that. Um. No, I think, um, I th- yeah, I, I think you already said it. I think that our modern, the main lane of our modern like music discourse, like it was what's going to end up on Pitchfork, NPR, Stereogum, whatever, um, is closer to an AI than people would like to admit. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say whether that's good or bad. Like that, that I'm not, because I'm not going to assume, I'm not going to assume somebody, somebody's, they, God, there's a lot of names I could say, but like, I'm just not going to, like, um, but it, it just, I'm not going to assume that, like, if you get enjoyment out of it, fuck it. Yeah. Like at some point, you, at some point, I just don't care how it's made. Like I, you know, sometimes I'm very interested, but mostly I'm not. Like I'm just like, eh, fuck it. They, oh yeah, they made a thing that that I I like. Is that selfish? I don't know. Uh, but like, why why would I? And that's a, that's a, it's just yeah. a whole different pursuit. Yeah. Well said. But, that should be that should be the that that's the real closing note here. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a whole different pursuit. Yeah. What, what what we're talking about is just enjoying the shit. And we're, and we're trying to bring you stuff that you enjoy. And and occasionally, we will have controversial opinions, I think. Um, and and actual takes. You know, you mentioned we're going to be, you're, you have a few blog posts. The tracking section is back up uh, on the site, on Discologist.com. So, like, anything that we feel like writing about, we're going to write about, which is something new. We, we didn't, I haven't done that since, like, 2013, 2014. Um, we also have a press room section. Uh, which uh, is like artists spend a lot of money to get people to write press releases <laughs> and some of them are good. Some of them are bad, but uh, the the point of it is simply to make you aware that something is coming out. 
So if somebody has already done the work, there's some, yeah. yeah. If, if we're where you come for music, which would be great, like then we're going to have you covered. We're gonna have we're gonna have like these little press releases and they get tweeted out, but they're always in there. You look at the archive of it and see like oh like I just did one like uh, the fruit bats, Eric Johnson. Mm, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, mm. new one, and that's literally just like and I know the person who wrote it. Like so, you know, they just it's just the press release. It says everything that that band wanted said about that band. We don't need to editorialize and, and, it, considering we'll probably cover it. Like we will at some point. Yeah. And instead of getting it laundered through one of the many music, quote unquote, journalism websites that that yeah. you may be checking out, you'll, you can just you can just come read the press release on our site. And that's and and if you go and, and read actual reviews by some of those sites, you'll probably find that a lot of the press release ends up in the review. <laughs> well, now 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 you're now you're talking crazy talk. You're, you're really revealing a little behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, that happens. Uh, so, yeah. so yeah, we're not doing in ours, that. not in ours, not in ours, but, but yeah. other sites, other sites that are, that are, no, that are it happens. It happens, to, it happens to us too, dude. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, we have, <laughs> we have merch. Uh, we are right now, like I said, we have the, we have a t-shirt, uh, a little out of stock there for the, the sizes that you would wear if, if you were anything but a toddler. Uh, there's a coffee mug. Again, I have a few different designs and then a tote bag. We're going to start rolling out uh, at, from doing this for 10 years plus. Uh, I've seen like a lot of the industry, both like what you said, music journalism, places like Pitchfork, but also the back end. Uh, and there's a lot of phrases, I'll, I'll, I'll say, that are not how we should talk about music. So we're going to maybe be putting a lot of those on a shirt um, and rotating that out. And you can like sh yeah. proudly shout from the rooftops that you are an ironic motherfucker. Or at least you get the idea of irony. Um, and we'll happily, as new capitalists, this is new to us, my capitalist comrade. We're capitalists yeah. now. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I'm neo, actually neo, neo libs. Neo libs. I'm doing a post on that actually um, because uh, this, this site actually does cost uh, to run. It's not, it's not a tremendous amount, but it does cost money. To run it. So if you support us, uh, I don't know if you can support us just directly without buying something, but if you can, there's going to be that option on the site. But buying stuff, uh, you know, too, we only get like a small percentage of, if you buy a coffee mug, I think we get like a dollar. But that's fine. That's fine. That'll, yeah. that'll, that, that'll that, help pay for the, yeah. 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 New, new sound effects. That stuff, yeah. That stuff goes, well, that stuff goes to like, Equipment, uh, the site uh, costs hundreds of dollars a year, just base costs. Uh, that stuff can go to records. Uh, that stuff can go to if we decide we want to start putting on shit. There's a lot that we have in the pipe is what I'm saying. Um, and so, yeah. So. Yeehaw. Yeah, I'm good with this. This feels, this feels, this feels different. It feels good. It feels like yeah. a, a, a new era. It feels like when I started, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, you can do anything, man. You know, um, and oh, last thing, the archive will be coming back of the live stuff. Uh, I've started on that and it looks fantastic and I can't wait to start putting stuff like that up. And uh, maybe like some of that will end up on merch. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I dig. So that's the start of the seat. You got any, you got any last thoughts? Anything? 
I don't. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna have other thoughts. Um, that'll you know come out during the rest of the season. But okay. uh, all right, I'm good. I'm good right now. All right. Well, we will see you all in two weeks um, until we decide to go crazy and go weekly, which may or may not happen. But uh, yeah. Until then, have a. We don't have a. We don't have a catchphrase. We don't need one. Let's just get. Yeah. That's, that, that's it. That's okay. it. Have a good one. Bye. Yeah. <laughs>